There we go. Can you hear me now? All right. Uh, how many of you have heard of Brother Andrew? Heard of Open Doors organization? Yes? Brother Andrew was uh, a person many years ago that he took Bibles and took it for into restricted nations. He had a burden, he had a, a vision to be able to take the Word of God into places that didn't have the Word of God. We live here in Toronto, in Canada, in a place uh, where we are very privileged uh, to have not just one Bible, but many Bibles. How many here you have more than one Bible at home? We are very privileged, right? How many here you have more than one Bible on your phone? Right? We are very privileged. There's a story from Open Doors by a man named Victor, not his real name. Um, he was smuggling drugs in Central Asia. Uh, he was running drugs into uh, Tajikistan and from Tajikistan to the place where he lived. And he did so well in smuggling drugs that within the drug trade, he was given the opportunity even to smuggle drugs into Afghanistan. But in 1996, he was caught with four kilograms of heroin and he was put into jail immediately. He said this, quote, I felt empty inside and did not want to live anymore. I did not know how long I would be in jail. While he was in jail, one of his cellmates uh, received a Bible, the Gospel of John. And so he took that Bible, uh, the Gospel of John, and gave it to Victor. And he wasn't interested in reading it, but he went through a span of about 10 days that he was not able to sleep. And because of the sleepless nights, he picked up the Bible, thinking it would help him. Has it helped any of us that way? Right? Thinking that it would help him, you know, to be able to fall asleep. And so he started to read there, but he couldn't understand all what was said uh, uh, in the Bible. And so he just put it to a side. Sometime later, he had another spell of sleepless nights. And so he picked up the Bible again. And as he started to read, it started to come to life uh, to him. Uh, he was able to see the truth of Jesus and the truth of eternal life. He said this, quote, reading about eternal life caught my attention. Thinking about it, I really desired eternal life even more than I desired to be released from jail. He didn't know how to pray, but he just cried out to Jesus and asked Jesus to help him. Others tried to smuggle drugs into prison for him, and he said, no, I don't want any of that anymore. His life had been touched and changed by Jesus because he read the word of God. He was diagnosed with a disease that, was, uh, that they, the, the, the prison uh, medical officers said that he would have only about 18 months to live, but miraculously, the disease didn't get worse, and he continued uh, to live. And because of that, him and some others started a church in the prison. And he would start, and Victor started to preach the word of God. So much so, it was making such an impact that the, uh, the warden said, hey, why don't you uh, preach through the whole loud system, the speaker system, so that everyone can hear. When he was let out of prison, he ended up going to seminary and he started working amongst the drug addicts. Today, he is a pastor in a very special church in Central Asia that's not publicly known. It's because it's, he lives and pastors in a place where Bibles and Christians are considered illegal. And so he has a big barn, and in the barn, he, has, uh, he sells blocks of salt for cows and grain and rice for chickens, but he also hides a whole stack of biblical literature. He hides a whole stack of Bibles as well so that he can distribute them. 
Our message today is about a renewal in the word of God. And I want to challenge all of us, including myself today, to make a renewed commitment to reading, studying, meditating, memorizing, learning, and teaching the word of God. The Bible engagement is is at an all-time low. I'm going to share with you a few stats from 2013, because that was the last Canadian study done uh, about Bible engagement in Canada. So this is about 10 years old. So take these numbers and, I don't know, divide them by two, right? Or or maybe even even more than that. In 2013, this is what this um, Bible engagement survey results were. It said, only 14% of Christians read the Bible once a week. If I asked a show of hands, and I won't, but if I asked a show of hands today, how many of you read your Bible this past week? I wonder if it would be 14%. I would hope it would be more, but who knows? Half of Christians agree the Bible has irreconcilable contradictions, and out of those half, only 2% of them read it frequently. I wonder if that's the problem that we have, that we think that the Bible has irreconcilable contradictions. If so, I'd love to have a conversation with you uh, about that, because I think there's so much truth and blessing in the Word of God. Canadians who agree the Bible is the word of God are 10 times as likely to agree the Bible, to read the Bible frequently. So if you believe it's the word of God, there's 10 times greater likelihood that you will read the word of God, which is a good thing. 60% of Canadian Christians think that the religious texts of major world religions teach essentially the same thing. I was surprised at this. 60% of Canadian Christians think that all the major world religious texts teach the same thing. I just want to say that every religion is exclusive by nature, okay? And so there's no religion out there that is inclusive of every other religion, okay? Even religions that say, oh, all, all gods are, you could worship all the gods and all gods lead to heaven. Well, that view, worldview and viewpoint is uh, exclusive of all the other religions that say, no, that doesn't exist, right? So that, that actually can't take place. So I think that's a misunderstanding that's there. of Canadians strongly agree that the Bible is the word of God, which is down from 35% in 1996. So 35% in 1996, 18% in 2013. I wonder what that number looks like now, right? Only two in 10 Christians reflect on the meaning of the Bible for their lives a few times this week. Two in 10, so 20%. So if I were to ask the question, and I'm not, right? How many people here this past week you reflected on the Bible and its teachings and how they're applicable to the word of God? To to your life, sorry. 11% of Christians talk to others about the Bible outside of their religious circles. Those who have conversations about the Bible at least once a week have a more robust Bible engagement and religious commitment profile than any other factor that they looked at in this survey. I'm going to say that again because I think this is really important, okay? Those who have conversations about the Bible at least once a week, i.e. a life group meeting, right, have a more robust Bible engagement and religious commitment profile than any other factor that they looked at. And so they looked at a ton of different factors, a ton of different options, and said this is the single most factor that affects Bible engagement in a person's life is having a conversation at least once a week with a group of people. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group, 
If you're not talking about the Bible with others in community, in fellowship, and digging deeper into God's word, I want to encourage you to do that. We have life group questions out in the lobby. It's on our website as well that you can download uh, for those that are watching online. Please do that. Uh, And if you're in a life group, they work through those questions and dig deeper into what's shared on Sunday and dig deeper into the word of God. Uh, But if you're not in a life group, at least pick up some of those questions and try to dig through some of those uh, thoughts. But I want to encourage you to also engage with a group of people because we learn God's word in community. God didn't intend us to learn God's word on our own. Actually, for most of the time when the Bible was written and the word of God was shared, it was done in community because a lot of people were illiterate and they couldn't read. And so they had to read the word of God in community. They had to read the word of God together. They had to listen and understand the word of God. That's what Ezra, the priest and scribe, did for the children of Israel. And so there was a lot of community learning and a lot of community uh, engagement. And so in this story of Ezra and Nehemiah uh, and Zerubbabel and other leaders coming back to Jerusalem, one of the, the biggest things that they did was to renew their commitment to the word of God. And today we're going to just go back to the very fundamental basics. Okay. As I mentioned to you from the last couple of weeks, as we're sharing this series on rebuilding, we're just trying to do a complete reset in our lives and in our families and in our churches in going back to what Jesus is calling us to do. And one of the most fundamental things is our engagement with the word of God. I like to say it this way. You've probably heard me say this before. Bible reading and prayer are like the two legs of the Christian, Christian walk, right? If you have Bible reading but no prayer, guess what? You're hopping around and you're likely to fall down. If you have prayer and no Bible reading, guess what? You're hopping around and you're likely to fall. If you don't have prayer or Bible reading, you're really not getting anywhere, right? But if you have prayer and Bible reading, they're the two legs of the Christian faith to help us to walk forward and journey forward in our Christian life. In Ezra chapter seven and verse 10, we read this, uh, Carol read this for us this morning. And this is where I want uh, us to sort of dwell for this, for this message. It talks about Ezra's purpose. He says here, this was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. So I want to talk about those three things today to one study, number two, obey, and number three, teach. Yes. Number three, teach. How many here you think it's Daniel's job to teach and my job, your job to listen? Anyone here? No, you don't. Oh, this is great. We're already, you know, we're, you guys are going to just buy right into this. Yeah, it's true. It's not just Daniel's job to teach. It's every one of our jobs to teach. But we'll get to that in point number three. So the first thing, study the word of God. We're just going to get back to the basics here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the, the reason we have scripture. This is the reason we have the word of God. It's to instruct us. It's to teach us. It's to help us to understand God's word. In, in the world that we live in today, we live in a very relativistic society. We live in, in, in a society where there's no absolute truth. And if you were going to talk about the truth of the word of God, you might get a lot of pushback and contention about it. 
But there is, an, there is an absolute truth that God talks about, and it's revealed to us in his word. And the word of God should be the lens, the filter by which we see the rest of society and see the rest of the world and how we live our lives. And so as we, in order to study the word of God, what are some of the things that we can do? And I, I want to just go uh, talk about a few different things. And I want to ask you if you can make a commitment to do one of these things or maybe a couple of these things. The first thing is to read the word of God. Very basic, very simple, right? If you are not reading the word of God on a daily basis, can I encourage you from today onwards, make a commitment to read the word of God. Make a commitment to study. If you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, this works for both. Because the word of God will feed us and will help us. Can I share with you a little secret, a failure of mine that ended up actually being somewhat good? Um, when I was a, a teenager in high school, I was reading through the Bible. But in high school, I was getting you know, behind because of my schoolwork and things like that. And so come Saturday, I was like backlogged in my Bible reading. And so what I would do sometimes, I would go down to the basement uh, of our house, and I would just go down to one room, and I would just read and catch up reading the Word of God. And I would read for hours, just trying to catch up because I was really far behind. By the end of that time, I found that my heart and my life was just clean. I can't explain it. It was sort of like taking a shower. It was sort of like just scrubbing yourself I didn't spend a lot of time studying and cross-referencing and things. I was just reading to catch up, right? But I found the word of God working in my life during that in a sense of cleansing me. In John 17, Jesus says, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. And I, and I found that to be very real in my life. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul exhorting Timothy says, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Now remember, they were living in a very oral society where a lot of people didn't know how to read. So Paul was encouraging Timothy to do what? Read the scriptures to the church, right? Because a lot of them couldn't read it for themselves. We live in a day in a society where education has become ubiquitous, uh, in our nation at least, and we are able to be educated as children and grow up to be able to read. And so now God has given us the privilege to be able to actually read the Word of God. So can I encourage you to take that step to read the Word of God? And I'm going to help you with this, okay? Here's an easy way that you can do this. Can you take out your phone? Everyone take out your phone, okay? Get out your phone. Go to your web browser. Okay, and then go to this, this URL, uachome.org slash join plan. Because we are going to read through the book of Ezra this week for seven days. It's through the YouVersion Bible app. Go to that link. If you have the YouVersion Bible app already installed on your phone, that link in your web browser will take you to the actual app, and you can join the plan and read with a bunch of us. Now, if you're friends with me on the YouVersion Bible app, you probably got an invite already from me. If you're not friends with me, I invite you. I could use some more friends. So you can send me a friend request on the YouVersion Bible app, and I'd love to friend you. And then that way, uh, as we do other plans as well, we can, uh, uh, I can send you an invite directly towards that. For those of you who have the YouVersion Bible app and you use it frequently on your phone, if I can to the section that says discover. There's a little bottom icon at the bottom, right? It says discover. And if you click on discover, 
and you can search something at the top. Oh, my phone is like dinging, dinging, dinging here. That's good. Thank you. All right. If you go to, if you go to that section that says discover and you do a search and you can search, you just type in Unionville Alliance. And if you type in Unionville Alliance, guess what? You'll see our church. And then you have the option to say set as my church. If Unionville Alliance is your home church, we would love for you to do that. Okay. I think this will help us in the future as well to create more Bible engagement. Okay. So this is an easy step. This week, we're going to be reading through the book of Ezra. Next week, we're going to be reading through the book of Nehemiah, and I'll send you another invite to be able to join that plan. As you read through, if you've never read through using the YouVersion Bible app, it's very simple. Every day, there's a little devotion, there's a scripture reading, and there's an opportunity to comment. And you can read, and you can reflect, and you can write your comment of what the Lord has been speaking to you. And everyone else will be able to see it. And you can read other people's comments as well. And we trust that through this communal process of reading and reflecting on the word of God, that we can grow together in God's word, right? The next thing is to, to study the word of God. So one thing is just reading. The other is to study. Uh, the Lord, uh, Moses tells Joshua before Moses leaves, he tells Joshua this, study this book of instruction continually. This is the, the book of the law that Moses has given to Joshua for the children of Israel. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Can I encourage you that as you're reading, take time to study. There's lots of resources, there's lots of commentaries, there's lots of other opportunities to dig a little bit deeper into God's word. And so I wanna encourage you, as you read, study. Sometimes, how many, honestly now, how many of you, if you've done some Bible reading before, you've just like read, 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 just to put the check mark at the end? Anyone here? No, just Daniel, okay. Sorry, guys, I'm not, I'm not that, that's my, I, I, sometimes, you know, you read, 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 and you put the check mark at it. I told you when I was a teenager, I was, forget about the check mark. It was all just backlogging, and then on one day, it was just check, 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 right? But instead, if we take time to study, we will be enriched by God's word. Along with studying is meditating on God's word. Just to take time as we read it, just pause and think and ask the Spirit of God to speak to you. Maybe you read a verse, and as you're reading, you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to me. As you read a portion of Scripture, as you read a chapter of Scripture, and you ask, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And Meditate on the Word of God. The psalmist says it this way, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. This is talking about the godly person, the person that walks in the ways of the Lord. They meditate on the word of God day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and, and they prosper in all they do. And so those that meditate on the word of God, there's a, a fruit that's born. There's prosperity that comes from meditating on the word of God. Here's a challenge. Memorize the word of God. Anyone here you've done that before? Memorize the word of God? A few people? Right? Uh, a couple of years ago, our young adults, we were memorizing, correct me if I'm wrong, someone can tell me, I think it was Romans 8, we were memorizing. At one time, uh, 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 before I was memorizing like a couple of chapters, and I found that it was just, it's challenging, it's hard, it's difficult, but it's enriching for your spirit. Can I, can I challenge you, can I ask you to memorize some scripture? 
uh, if you have, this is particularly useful for people that have a bad memory. And I know that sounds contra contradictory, right? If you find yourself like forgetting things or having a bad memory or I can't remember this, memorizing scripture will really help, right? It'll take some work, but memorizing scripture will really help. And so I want to encourage you to be able to uh, memorize scripture a lot. Sometimes you'll, when I preach, you'll hear me quote some scripture and it's in the King James Version and I'm reading in the NLT Version, right? That's because when I grew up, I learned a lot of my scripture in the King James Version uh, of the Bible. And so it just naturally comes out. Memorizing scripture is so good and useful because it helps us to hide God's word in our heart. The psalmist says it this way. He says in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In times of temptations, in times of trials, in times of difficulty, what happens when we memorize the word of God that's in our heart? It'll just flow out. We can quote it. We can say it. It's our defense. It's our, it's our, uh, it's our weapon to fight against the devil in times of discouragement. Paul says it this way in Colossians. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Memorize the word of God so that it dwells within you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Sometimes if it's difficult to memorize some scripture, you can sing the scripture. Right? And that helps us to be able to, to, to remember it. As we talk with one another about the word of God, if the word of God is memorized within our heart, we can speak of it. In Psalm 119 as well, it says, I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Right? So let me encourage you. Let's try to, to memorize God's word. Not only is it good for us, but it also helps us to pray because the other thing is that we want to be able to pray the word of God. This is such a useful thing that we can do with God's word is take a portion of scripture and pray God's word. Right? For example, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he does, has, all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Right? Now, I read that in the New, New Living Translation, but in my mind, I'm thinking King James Version because I had that verse memorized in, in a different version. But as we pray the scriptures, when we had our prayer service a, a few weeks ago, we had, gave out a booklet, and in that booklet were a bunch of different prayers that were based on scripture. So can I ask you right now, can you pray with me? I'm going to pray this verse, okay? So let's pray together as an example of how we can pray the word of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we don't have to worry about anything, but that we can lift up every petition and every need to you in prayer. Lord, you know our needs. You know that our need right now is in a season of rebuilding and renewal and revitalization for our church. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done, past and present, and we thank you for what you are going to do in the future as well. Lord, we pray that we would experience your peace every step of the way as we are in this season of rebuilding. Lord, sometimes we don't understand and we can't comprehend, but we pray for your peace to rest upon our hearts and minds, that it would guard us as we continue to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We can just take a verse like that and we can pray. Scripture, just go point by point. And there's so many scriptures like that that we can do. Number two, 
Obey the word of God. So the first thing is study. Ezra said he came to Jerusalem to teach the, to teach the throne of Israel to, to study, to obey, and to teach. So the second thing here is to obey the word of God. We're living in a time when truth is very relative in our world today. We're living in a time when the word of God is cast to a side. How can we live by, by something that was written 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago? That was for that time and age. How can we live by this now? But the problem of the children of Israel was that they disobeyed the word of God, and that's why they were sent into captivity. God had given them his word, and they were supposed to obey and live by the word of God, but instead they rebelled, and in their pride they turned against God and worshipped other idols and didn't celebrate the Sabbath and did so many of these things that grieved and hurt the heart of God. And because of that, they were taken into captivity to Babylon. So now when Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel are coming back to Jerusalem to renew the covenant, to renew the commitment, one of the things that they realize that they need to do is decide to say, we want to obey the word of God. Because they realize that they have been disobeying the word of God. There's prayers of confession in the book of Ezra and in the book of Nehemiah of them acknowledging the ways that they had grieved and hurt the Lord and the reason for which they were taken into captivity. Next week, we're going to look at, at that prayer of confession and repentance, and we're going to take some time as well to pray and repent and confess and, and take some time just to acknowledge our failures and our need for the Lord. And so God is calling us to obedience to his word. And that's not always easy. Quite often it's very difficult. But Ezra wanted the people to obey the word of God. They wanted, he wanted the people to come back to celebrating the Sabbath, to, to humbling themselves in the presence of God, instead of being self-dependent to be God-dependent, instead of being um, worshiping other gods, to be worshiping the true and the living God. And so if we look at our lives, what are some of the things in our life that we are disobedient to the Lord? Maybe there's areas that we know that we are very disobedient Maybe there's other areas that we might not know, but we need the word of God, the light of the word of God to shine in our hearts and in our lives to see those things. Nehemiah said, said this, he said, after, after this prayer of uh, confession and repentance, it says the people responded, the, the Levites had made this prayer in the book of Nehemiah, and then the people responded, in view of all this, we are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing. On this sealed document are the names of our leaders and Levites and priests. And so they, they read the word of God. They understood where they had failed. They prayed a prayer of repentance. And at the end, they said, look, this is our commitment. We are going to obey the word of God. Friends, can I ask you that in these days, as we read God's word, let's make a commitment to Obey God's word. Regardless of the price that it costs us, regardless of what sacrifice we have to make in actually doing it, regardless of what maybe our friends and relatives or co-workers or others might say about us, if we live according to the word of God, Jesus said that they'll reject, people will reject us just as they rejected Jesus. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, this chapter is full of blessings and full of curses. But right at the beginning, it says, if you fully obey the Lord your God to carefully keep his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Friends, God is calling us to obedience. God is calling us to obey God's word in, in ways that we have strayed, in ways that we have grieved the heart of God, in ways that we have grieved the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it might be for you. I think it's different for each and every one of us. But in whatever those ways are, God is calling us to obedience. In John, Jesus said this in John chapter 14, if you love me, 
obey my commandments, right? If you love me, obey my commandments. And so I want to encourage you that way, to love the Lord and obey his commandments. And the last thing is to teach the word of God. I'm glad that you all are all in agreement with me that Daniel doesn't need to be the only person teaching. I'm glad that we got that right out of the way from the beginning of the message, right? God is calling us to teach the word of God. As I shared with you a few weeks ago on our mission Sunday, God is calling us to be disciple-making disciples. And so it's incumbent on all of us to teach the word of God. It's what the Great Commission says. Can I remind you of that? Matthew chapter 28, part of the Great Commission is this. What's that first word? Huh? Teach, right? It's not bring them to Daniel and, you know, he'll teach them. Bring them to Unionville Alliance Church and plug them into a course and they'll learn? No. The command for each and every one of us who are disciple-making disciples is to do what? Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that this second part of the verse is attached to the first part of the verse because for most people, it's like, you want me to teach? I can't do it. Don't worry, I'm with you. I'm with you. Calm down, don't worry. I'll help you. It's okay, right? How many have ever thought that? Have you ever said that? Right? Nobody? I'm glad that you guys all agree with me because next time I ask you to teach, you'll be like, yes, Daniel, of course I'll do that, right? But sometimes when God puts us into those situations, we're like, how am I supposed to do that? How in the world can I? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know the right words. I don't know this doctrine. I don't know this teaching. I don't, how am I supposed to teach it? Don't worry. I'm with you, Jesus says. Don't worry. My presence will be with you even till the end of the age. He gives us that comfort. He gives us that hope. He gives us that assurance. You know, when, when we teach something, we learn it a lot better. Teachers, I know we have a lot of teachers here. Can I get an amen from the teachers? Yeah, right? When we teach something, we learn it a lot better. You can sit here and listen to everything that I'm teaching right now, but if you take what I'm teaching right now and teach that to somebody else, I guarantee you, you'll learn a lot more. You'll probably walk out of this service maybe remembering one thing, even if that. But if you take what was taught here and you teach it to somebody else, you'll retain a lot more. The Lord has called us to teach. Ezra came back, right, to help the children of Israel study, obey, teach, right? In Deuteronomy, I love these verses in Deuteronomy because he talks, it talks about how we should teach the word of God even in our families. Pastor Allison has been trying to put a real focus and an intentional effort on parents discipling their children because this is what we are called to do as parents. We are, we are the primary disciple makers of our children. That's the parent's job, not the church's job, not someone else's job, it's the parent's job. Parents are the primary disciple makers of their children. And so the word of God says here in Deuteronomy, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children, right? Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Now the Jewish people do this part literally. Write them on your doorposts 
of your house and on your gates, right? Maybe in our homes, do we have some scripture? Maybe like scripture plaques or scripture things on our, on our walls. That's a good thing to have. It reminds us of the word of God. But particularly for parents, we are the primary disciple makers of our children. And God has called us to be that. And in these verses, is very clear. When you get up in the morning, talk about them. When you go to bed at night, talk about them. When you're in the way, when you're, in, when you're driving, when you're on the road, when you're doing this and when you're doing that, we are to teach the word of God. Right? So I want to encourage parents in that way. Right? I'm just starting in the journey, so you pray for me. Right? Got a long way to go here. Right? As I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself that I need to do this for my son. But this is what God has called us to do. Not just for parents that have children, but for each and every one of us that are called to obey and respond to the Great Commission, we are to be disciple-making disciples. We are to be able to teach the Word of God. Paul says it to Timothy this way. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things and have been, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Let me remind you that you agreed with me that it's not just the pastor's responsibility. So don't look at this verse and say, well, Paul was a pastor, Timothy was a pastor, and he's just telling him to teach other pastors. No, that's not what he's saying. There's no word pastor here, right? He's saying, Timothy, you have learned from me. Timothy, I was your disciple maker. I have made you and helped you to be a disciple of Jesus. Now take, Timothy, what you have learned from me, right? And make other disciples. That's what God is calling us to do. With the word of God, we are to be disciple-making disciples. Do you remember my challenge to you during our Vision Sunday? Can someone tell me what the challenge was? Do you remember what the challenge was on our, on our, uh, uh, on our AGM Sunday? Mary, what was the, what was the challenge? And make one disciple this year, right? Make one disciple this year. I'm, you know, not, you know, if you want to do 10, you can do 10, but, you know, just one, right? Who is that one? Who is that one that you are going to teach the word of God to? And don't think, whoa, I don't know what to teach. Don't worry. The Lord's going to be with you. He'll help you, right? Who's that one? Our vision statement here is touching our world through Jesus, one life at a time. Who's that one that you're going to teach? Who's that one person that you're going to make a disciple of? And lastly, because if you've been following with us for the last couple of Sundays, the whole story that we are talking about is that it's all about Jesus. And the wonderful thing about studying the word of God is that Jesus is the word of God, right? Do you remember what we talked about uh, for the last couple of weeks? We talked about covenant making and altars, right? Do you remember we talked about God making a covenant with Noah and then him building an altar as a response? God making a covenant with Abraham and him building an altar, actually many altars in response. God making a covenant with David. Sorry, before that, God making a covenant with Moses and Moses not just building an altar, but building a whole sanctuary for the presence of God to dwell. And then we talked about God making a covenant with David and David preparing abundantly for the house of God and Solomon built this house for the Lord. And then afterwards, God making a covenant with us, the new covenant, and our response is that now we, our bodies, are the temple of the living God. 
Our bodies are a place of altar, sanctuary, worship. Well, as we consider all of those things, Jesus, who was the temple, he said, I'm going to destroy this temple and raise it again in three days, speaking about his own body, speaking about himself, right? Him being the temple is where the word of God dwells. In John 1, in verse 1 and 2, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, right? So Jesus here, he's the temple, right? We looked at that last week. Jesus is the temple. His body is the temple, right? But he is also the living word of God. So in the Old Testament, if you wanted to read the word of God, what did you have to do? You had to go to the synagogue, right? You had to sit there at a particular time and the priest or whoever it was would open up the scroll and would read from the scroll. But when Jesus came along, he is the temple. And guess what? You didn't need to go to a temple. You didn't need to go to a synagogue to hear the word of God because the words of Jesus were the words of God. The words of Jesus were words of life. Before they had to go to a synagogue, they had to unroll the scroll and they had to read what was there. But then Jesus comes along and he says, I am the temple. I will destroy this temple and raise it again in three days. But the word of God also says that he is the living and breathing word of God, the, the incarnate son of God, the incarnate word of God. Because it says in this ver ver verse, in the beginning was the was the word. So now the word has come incarnate in, in the flesh, in the very person of Jesus Christ, being the temple of God. And now you get to go to Jesus to hear the word of God, right? But take that now a step further because then he gives us his word. And now you don't need to go to a synagogue to read the word of God. You don't need to have the incarnate Jesus in front of you to hear the word of God because he's not physically in our presence in the bodily form. But who is the temple of God now? Thank you, Reggie. We talked about this last weekend, right? That we all, our bodies are the, the temple of God. That's why we memorize scripture so that we can speak and teach the word of God. So now... During the week, it's Wednesday at 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh, I have to wait all the way till Sunday at 10 o'clock to come to Unionville Alliance Church to hear the word of God? No. What do we do? You pull out your phone, version Bible app. Ah. Oh, the word of God that enriches our soul. The word of God that we feed into our lives. We are the temple of God. And so this is where the word of God should dwell within us. In John 1 and verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is, we have seen the glory of the word of God. We have seen the power of the word of God. We have seen the, 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 the beauty of the word of God. We have seen the, the comprehensive nature of the word of God as we see this beautiful story arc of what Jesus is trying to do from Genesis all the way till Revelation. We have seen that and now that lives within us because we are the temple of God and the word of God as we read in Colossians let the word of Christ dwell in you richly 
Our bodies are the temple of God. The word of God should dwell in us. It's not about coming to Unionville Alliance Church here physically to hear God's word. It's not about coming here and only here on Sunday morning we can hear the word. It's an important time. It's a critical time. I encourage you all to come uh, for that because part of corporate worship, as we talked about, uh, is very important for our lives, as we spoke about last week. But we have the privilege now that our bodies are the temple of God and he's given us freely his word where we can read it at any time. Today is World Food Day. Um, The Canadian Food Grains Bank is having a prayer meeting from 5.30 to 6.30 today as we consider and think about the hunger crisis and the food crisis in the world. We're, We're living at a time when there's food shortages. There's, because of inflation, there's so much difficulty as well. And so the, world, the Canadian Food Grains Bank is having a prayer meeting as this is World Food Day to remember and understand the need for food throughout the world. Yesterday at our master's pantry, we were able to provide food for 144 people. Thank you, Nancy, and your team for being able to do that. <laughs> Nancy told me that they went, through, they went through all their fresh produce, meat, and dairy because there was so much need. And as we look and as we see the need for our physical bodies to have food and nourishment, friends, don't forget about the need for your spiritual body to have food and nourishment. Don't forget that Jesus is the bread of life that came down from heaven for us. Don't forget that he is the living word of God that sustains us and gives us nourishment. And you know the wonderful thing of this whole thing at the end? Right? Do you remember what I told you at the end last week? That in heaven there is no temple because the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple of it? Well, look at what happens in heaven in Revelation 19. Jesus, this says he, but it's being about Jesus, wore a robe dipped in blood representing his sacrifice for us. And his title was the Word of God. He was the Word of God in the former eternity. Then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then now in eternity to come, he's going to be known as the word of God. He is the bread of life that nourishes us and will continue to nourish us for all eternity. Worship team, please come. Some of you might have heard the story of a man named Brother Yoon. He was a church leader in China. And he was very instrumental in the house church networks in the 1980s and the 1990s. And, and Brother Yoon... Uh, when he, was a, when he was 16, he wanted a Bible, but he didn't have uh, a Bible. Their family didn't have a Bible. Having a Bible in China at that time was very, very scarce and difficult. His mother um, recalled that there was another man in the village who had a Bible, and so she brought her son to see this man, but the man was too afraid to show Brother Yoon his, his Bible. So he suggested to him that he should pray for a Bible. So... You know, whenever, whenever someone suggests to you to pray for something, what do you do? You just pray. Brother Yoon didn't just do, I'm going to pray. Do you know what he decided to do? I am going to fast and pray for 100 days. Right? Because he wanted a Bible. Right? And I know for us, as we put up our hands before, we got multiple Bibles on our bookshelves at home. We have multiple Bibles on our phones. But he, he prayed. And so he would eat one bowl of steamed rice a day. That was it. And he had a vision of an old man pulling a cart of fresh bread. And that man in the cart asked Yoon if he was hungry. And he said yes. 
and he was given some bread. And as he took that bread and put it in his mouth, this was the, the, the vision that he had. As he took that bread and put it in his mouth, that bread turned into a Bible. And he woke up and he looked for that Bible but couldn't find one. But there was a knock on the door and the man was at the door and he had a Bible for Brother Yoon. He fasted and prayed for a Bible because he loved the word of God. And so he began to devour and eat the word of God. And he, he could hardly read at that time, uh, but that didn't stop him. But when he finished reading the whole Bible, then he started to memorize one chapter a day. In 28 days, he memorized the whole gospel of Matthew, right? Then he started to memorize the book of Acts after that. Friends, can we all stand? Can we make a recommitment to the word of God? Jesus is the word of God. Speak the name of Jesus is speaking the truth of the word of God. Speak the name of Jesus into your situation. Speak the name of Jesus into your circumstances. Speak the name of Jesus into your trials. Speak the word of God. Memorize and study the word of God and speak the, that word, which is Jesus, the living bread of life that came down from heaven. Speak God's word into your situations and see the power of the word of God to change lives.